Well, Brennan, you certainly have had a lot of jobs. I'm a bit of a spark plug and a human resources lady. Oh, oh no, it, it's actually, it's Pam. I'm sorry. Well, Pam. No, my name is Pam. Are you saying Pan or Pam? I'm saying Pam. Yeah, I'm sorry, who's this gentleman sitting behind you? Hello, Ms. Lady. I'm Dale. I'm Brennan's brother, and I think I might be able to help with a Pan Pam dilemma. Yeah, that'd be great. Pam. 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 With an There's M. There's a D on the end. There's no D. It's Pam. It's like calm. Here, it's P. P-A-N-M. M. 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 Two M's. M. That was the No, confusion. there's just one M. Mr. Huff, under your references, uh, you listed Dale Dobeck, which I know is this gentleman, but you also listed Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Yeah, yeah, we, we are looking for people we can contact. We want to tell you the stuff we're not good at. Our weaknesses. So we're clear up front. Okay. We're not generally comfortable in an office setting, I would say. I get cooped up. I won't go into an office that's ever been used before. I am no good before 11 a.m. I also get headaches from computers, so I can't be around them for too long. I take stuff. I need to have someone go up and down with me in the elevator. I have a weakness for sweets. Other weaknesses? We're slow learners, and we're not particularly good listeners. That'll be a, that'll be a huge problem. We're also slow learners. Okay, first of all, I needed someone Wait, to shut your, mouth. Shut, shut, your, shut your mouth. I, oh, okay, I think we've had enough Shut up for here. one second. Shut, 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 shut your mouth. I needed someone Wait, to shut your mouth. Shut, shut, your, shut your mouth. I'm sorry? What did You're you just say? You're just coming off stupid. I'm coming off as stupid. You're wearing tuxedos to a job that requires you to clean bathrooms. Please leave this office. We're done with this interview. Do we get any sort of souvenir? Get out of my office! <laughs> What's up, people? Hollywood here, and it's time for another episode of Wild Hair. I want to start by thanking all of you for the positive feedback I've received regarding past Wild Hair recordings. Keep it coming. Facebook, Twitter, Messenger, text, smoke signal, pigeon delivered notes, whatever works. I don't care. It's cool. Normally, I fly solo on these Wild Hair episodes, but today I have a very special guest. Some of you may not know this, but I only have one sibling. I may be older than him, but I'm taller, 
sexier, more liked, better basketball player, better looking, better football player, better gambler. Let's face it, I'm pretty much better than him in literally everything. But here is my kid brother, Danny. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for that introduction. You're definitely better at exaggerating. So, uh, <laughs> you nailed that for sure. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to talk some music, some of our personal history, and basically babble about a bunch of stupid stuff. So um, we'll get started with, we're seven years apart. You're yep. 43, I'm 50. Yep. Uh, seven years is a generation, really. Like I was so focused on getting out of the house that I moved out at 19 and never went back. But you were only 12 when I moved out. You know, I move out, career starts moving, I want to be a rock star, that was crushed. Started and ended a couple of semi-serious relationships, including a marriage. Blinked, you were 17, 18 years old. So I wasn't around much, at least I don't think so, to shape your teenage years and the music you listen to. And I think we all realize the seven years is a lifetime in music. If you think about where music was in 80, where it was in 87, and where it was in 94. So you graduated in 94. I want to start with my music is basically dead by then because I love that, you know, hair metal, I guess is the best way to call it. How did you get into the music that you listened to? So even though uh, you did move out when I was 12, you had a huge impact, actually, uh, believe it or not, on my musical taste. So growing up for those first 12 years, we lived together, right? We had the same room. We shared the same room the entire time. And you weren't shy when it came to putting up posters from Hit Parader and Circus and all these different things. I'd say 70% of what you put up was Kiss, but there was all the <laughs> Iron Maiden, White Snake, Def Leppard, right? Bon Jovi, all that stuff was on the walls. You know, as a young kid, it was, hey, you're my older brother. What you're into, regardless of what it is, is cool. And I want to be into that stuff too. So that shaped a lot of it. When I think about my high school years, I was really into music that a lot of my other friends and peers weren't really into so much. They were into hip hop and, you know, Tupac and Biggie and stuff like that, which is cool. I like that stuff too. Lane Valley's big on... Hip hop and rap. Oh, definitely at that time, right? It was a, they wanted to believe they were from the streets, even though they were from the suburbs, but they wanted to be cool and be tough. So they all had those shirts on and stuff like that. And of course, grunge was uh, getting big as well. When we would talk about music, people were like, what are you into? Oh, I really like Kiss. They're like, who? They weren't really sure who they were, really, until um, Revenge kind of gave them some credibility with at least my peers because they looked a little darker and meaner and, and jeans stopped wearing fluorescent and, right, and, and all that crazy <laughs> Don't stuff. Don't take shots on Asylum. That's not cool. <laughs> I love the album. I hate the look, right? There was a time period, what, 83, from when they took off the makeup until Crazy Nights. Gene looked like apocalyptic, crazy person who's on drugs or whatever like I don't know it was horrible so but they got credibility back with Revenge and then like I would tell folks yeah hey I've been listening to them for years and folks really got on uh, the bandwagon at least my friends did at that point so I'd say uh, yeah you had a lot to do with my musical interest including stuff like Hall and Oates and Billy Joel and Brian Adams and uh, Air Supply like uh, and, and, that's mom <laughs> I ain't taking shots for that that's all mom and now what's funny is all four of my kids they can hum any Air Supply song like you throw out there and they've been brainwashed <laughs> effectively as well so believe it or not you had a lot to do with it so yeah So long, I'm all I 
so never grunge. I liked a little bit of Nirvana. I liked a little bit of Soundgarden. Uh, like Fell on Black Days, I think, is an amazing song. But a little bit of Pearl Jam, a little bit of Alice in Chains, but nothing too deep in that space. I stayed with the hair metal stuff. I asked you to share some of your favorite bands. You shared Metallica, Megadeth, Nickelback, good Lord. Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, Y&T, Seether, that should be interesting. Wasp, Whitesnake, Motley Crue, and Kiss. An interesting list for sure. Only two of those are in my top ten, so uh, we will definitely hit some of these bands today. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So for the Crank It Up Spotlight, we're going to start with a newer tune from one of Danny's top bands, Whitesnake. Your Whitesnake bang zone is slided in in Whitesnake 87. You're like, what, eight? How? It's weird when it comes to music. I'm not into that much new stuff, even if it's from bands I like. I know Def Leppard came out with stuff recently, or recently to me, like I guess five years ago. Uh, Whitesnake came out with new stuff. I don't want to hear that stuff. Like, I'll listen to new Kiss stuff, and then everything else, I'm just not into the new stuff. So the list of songs that you gave me, I was surprised at how much I liked them. And I'm assuming it's new. Like, I don't know if that's stuff from the 80s or where it's from, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. I was familiar with the sound. But something I was thinking about is I don't know how to listen to that stuff. It's not on the radio, right? It's not on TV. So I would have to do work to go listen to it, and I don't know if I want to put that effort in. So when it comes to my musical likes, I like stuff that I know the words to, I know the beats to, and go from there. An old soul for sure. So do you know the bluesy years of Whitesnake? Like, do you know the stuff that's before Slided In? in? Um, I'd heard it and I wasn't into it. Not into it. So you like the more rockin' The poppy melodic stuff, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Well, we're going to play something newer. So... I can't believe I'm calling a 2008 release new, but when you're old like me, I guess 12 years old is a little bit newer. But here's a song off Good to Be Bad, and the song is called Best Years.
remember watching a lot of MTV, or was that pretty dead by the time that no, you got in? I remember it? a lot of that dial MTV request. Oh MTV. yeah, yeah, Headbangers Ball a little bit. Oh really? Yeah, a little bit. Mom gave up the TV enough for you to be able to watch it. They were snoring by then, and I remember you would watch it. Sometimes yeah. you would tape it too, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah. So I would watch those recordings. Oh okay. So you were an MTV kid. So. Now, you're a video game guy. You were playing video games, and, uh, you know, we didn't have a ton of money. We weren't, you know, not poor, always us, blah, blah, blah. I would say we were middle class. Both parents worked, so we were fine. So we had video games accessible to us, at least. Mm -hmm. When you started playing video games, was 80s music in it yet or not quite yet? No. Yeah, because it was still just kind of like music for video games like yeah yeah it wasn't like songs where i remember that really changing was a grand theft auto oh that's when it changed so when my oldest kenneth started playing grand theft auto my ears perked up and i know that song i know that song so uh that was where i really started seeing that connection to music mainstream oh okay bon jovi you listed that as one of your favorite bands They've kind of changed over the years. Have you heard any of the country shit? Again, all the stuff past like New Jersey, just not that interested. Um, You're like stuck. Yeah, I really am. Like I'm stuck in a bubble. It's My Life, I guess, was okay song. Like it played so much that got stuck in my head. But outside of that, not really interested in too much. We saw him when we lived in Calgary. I think we saw him in 2011. It was the first tour without Richie. Oh boy! Yeah, and good lord, it was Richie's actually been out of the band for nine years. So it was the first concert without Richie. So we're going wow. to the concert, and we're like, "Oh, cool! This is going to be awesome. Get to finally see Bon Jovi for the first time." And they make an announcement: "Hey, all Richie Sambora won't be here tonight." And in lieu of that, we're giving a hundred thousand dollars to the homeless in Calgary. What's like, that going to do? How's that help you? <laughs> and then, um, and John only like referenced Richie once. It was like after the second or third song where he said, Richie's alive and well and doing fine, um, and I wish him the best. And then he just kept going. The songs that they played that were outside of the first four albums, I was lost. That's when I went to the bathroom. I got a drink or something. <laughs> you went to the bathroom a lot then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he wasn't overly indulgent during that, like in terms of playing a lot of new stuff, trying to force it on you. Yeah. Uh, he got all the hits in there, and I appreciated that. Yeah. He can be preachy live, No. I don't recall. I don't remember that being a, something I was worried about. Yeah. I think he looked uncomfortable without Richie there. That was yeah. just the vibe I got. Yeah. And whoever they had filling in did a fantastic job musically. Yeah. yeah. He did a great job musically. But you could tell he was kind of missing his partner. Yeah. I think it's a money thing. I don't know the whole story, but I think Richie was asked for more money and that didn't jive too well that's too bad john's been the guy it was his record contract from day one you look at that first album john's up front everybody else is back yeah. like it's never been a secret that it is john's band well so, look at the name right it's, that's just how it is yeah right so but yeah i kind of miss that uh, richie's at least not connected to him now i asked about your favorite bon jovi albums you said slippery one wet new jersey slippery one wet's a desert island album for me and even though the five singles on New Jersey were all top 10, by the way, Bad Madison, Born Be My Baby, I'll Be There For You, Lay Your Hands On Me, somehow Living In Sin got to the top 10, good Lord. And two of those were number one, I'll Be There For You and Bad Medicine, although I like Born To Be My Baby better. One of my favorite songs off of New Jersey is actually somewhat of a deeper cut, written by John Bon Jovi, Sambora, and the incredible Desmond Child. Here is Blood On Blood.
We're going to have to talk about Mustaine's voice because I don't understand why you are into Megadeth at all. But, you know, that whole, what do you mean you don't believe in God? You know, that, uh, why? Why? <laughs> I can't remember how I got into Megadeth. I think it's uh, when I had started working, there was a guy at work. He was like a, a total. Uh, meth head? Uh, not a meth head. Uh, <laughs> what do you call those guys? Uh, skater? No, not skater. Uh, stoner. Stoner. Yeah, total stoner guy, like a stoner jock guy. And he would wear Megadeth shirts all the time. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, like, I know Megadeth had some connection with Metallica. Like, what's that about? He's like, oh, they got a brand new album coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, it's going to be great. You should listen to it. So the first uh, album I got was Euthanasia. And I loved it. But because I was new to Megadeth, I didn't have a good understanding that that album sounded way different than the previous stuff, Peace Cells and Rust in Peace and all that. So I loved that album, Euthanasia. I went backwards, I think uh, Symphony of Destruction and those other albums. And I was like, ooh, this band like sounded really rough around the edges. Yeah, and, thrash. Yeah, thrash. thrash. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And so I don't love that stuff too much. I like it, but I don't love it. Euthanasia I loved, and then the album following that, Cryptic Writings. Those two just sound different to me from the stuff before and the stuff after. It reminded me of Metallica's Black Album in terms of it was heavy, but there was a melody, there was hooks, there was thoughtful songwriting. The songs aren't 12 minutes long. There's not 25 guitar solos, right? So yeah, his voice, totally different, but I respect it because it is so different. I think his voice is pretty rough nowadays. He's never looked great. Right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look too great right now. But um, something I was excited about, uh, and it's unfortunate due to the circumstances we're in right now, I was going to see him in November. Uh, Lamb of God was going to open for him. We were going to see him uh, at Mandalay Bay, and that got pushed back to next year now. So Mandalay Bay 
had Lamb of God and Megadeth. Yeah. Do they do a lot of thrash and metal type bands? Uh, I think they're pretty open and diverse in what they do. I think they're across the board. Wow. And have you seen Megadeth live before? I haven't. That was going to be my first time. I was so looking forward to it. Wow. I've seen Megadeth once. That was more than enough. It was with Dio. So what, Something like early have, 90s? Yeah, yeah, early 90s. Yeah, it was with Tone. It must have been a tough day for Mustaine because he was bitching about something on stage and uh-huh. just kept bitching about it and kept bitching. I was just like, really, dude, just can you get on with it? It wasn't great. It just like uh, bitching about like political stuff or I uh, just uh, I don't know if I don't even know what he was bitching about. I just got so sick Turned of off. hearing him talk. Yeah. I was just like, why are you still talking? Just <laughs> just sing. The only thing that even remotely interests me about Megadeth is that I know Mustaine loves Motown. So there's some of the melodies he has because he loves some Motown so much. That at times it is listenable. It's his voice that sometimes gets me. I love the guitars and the musicianship's great, but and I'm not a huge thrash fan. Now it's interesting. Euthanasia has a song called A Tulamone. Yeah. It was actually released as a second single. That song's okay. But there was a newer version on 2007's United Abominations with Lacuna Coils, Christina Scabia helping with the vocal. That is the version that I love. Yeah. So here's that version of Atula Monde. Don't remember where I was I realize life is a game The more serious I took things The harder the rules became I had no idea what it cost My life passed before my eyes I found out a little I accomplished all my plans tonight So as you read this, know my friends I'd love to stay with you all Please smile when you think of me
Okay, so you mentioned living in Calgary. How was the music scene in Canada? Like you were there in the, what, the late 2000s, early 2010s, right? Somewhere in there? I don't remember the scene. Is there a music scene? I, not that I recall. And if it was, I was maybe too busy to really be a part of it. Up there, folks would talk a lot about, of course, the Canadian folks. So Nickelback, Brian Adams, Avril Lavigne. Carly Rae Jepsen was really big when that year oh, we moved up Lord. there. So she was all over the place. <laughs> But outside of that, I do remember in Calgary, I can't remember the radio station's name, but they had a really good radio station that would play a good mix of older stuff like Motley Crue and Def Leppard and things like that and mix in some newer tracks here and there. So, But outside of that, I didn't see too much of the scene. How do you consume music nowadays? Are you still buying physical product? What do you think about the vinyl resurgence? Like, Do you have a record player? No. So none of the physical product stuff. The last CD I bought was Monster from Kiss. That was the last one. Wow. That was a while ago. Yeah, that was a while ago. And the last one before that was Sonic Boom, because I remember going to a Walmart to buy it because it was a Walmart exclusive. Yeah, no uh, physical product. I don't have any record players. Just don't have space for that, right? When it comes to stuff like that, I'm kind of a minimalist. So I'd like to have the least amount of stuff possible. It's all for me, uh, Apple iTunes and uh, Spotify. You pay for Spotify? I do. It's it, worth it. It's the for the family package. Yeah, absolutely it's worth, worth it, right? Totally. I tell the story. I wasn't paying for Spotify. And then I was getting sick of the ads, and I don't like it that they don't let you skip around the songs and blah, blah, right? So I'm like, all right, let me get on the family plan. You would have thought I got these kids gold bars for Christmas. That was the best $15 a month or whatever I spent. Yeah. The kids kept asking for it. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, (laughs) no, no, stop it. And then I was like, all right, let me get it. And then I started asking them about how to use it and how to get into it and make playlists and stuff like that. Now I think it's awesome. It's what I use for podcasts, too, for the most part. Yeah. So how did you get into Metallica? You know, when we're talking about physical product, blah, blah, they're the ones who started all that shit about Napster, right? But uh, little did we know then, I guess Lars is smarter than everybody, that the music industry was headed for disaster. But did you get into Metallica before you got into Megadeth then? Yes. And is it just because they're Bay Area guys or? Um, Because of the friends I was hanging out with. So at that point, uh, I was probably hanging out with some skaters slash thrash guys. Yeah. And uh, the Black Album had come out. Yeah. And that. And man, that lasted forever too. That's your freshman, junior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sophomore year. It blew me away, right? Yeah. I had heard of Metallica before, of course, only seen the one video. And I was like, that's really weird. And that song's really long. And I don't know, you can't see their faces. They're just headbanging the whole video. <laughs> yeah. right? It was really odd. But the Black Album, because again, for me, it's like uh, Megadeth's Euthanasia. It was more melodic. The songs weren't too long. There weren't 100 solos. And then they did an awesome job with the videos. That's when they really started getting deep into videos. Nothing Else Matters, Inner Sandman, things like that. So from there, then I worked backwards. Then I started listening to Master of Puppets, which I think is great, and Justice of All, which I really, really liked. The first album, a little bit too thrash for me uh, with Kill 'Em All. And then the stuff afterwards. So I might be in the minority a bit, but I like Load and Reload. It's kind of like grunge Metallica to me. I wasn't that much into grunge, but I like Metallica, and that was a good uh, trade-off for me. But then after that, I just lost track of them. I know they did Death Magnetic and uh, Saint Anger or something, (laughs) which that song to me was horrible. And uh, I know they've done some other stuff since, but uh, I probably lost track of them after S&M. When they did that symphony, just because I stopped watching MTV at that point and things. You've seen Metallica live? No. You've never seen Metallica live? I just haven't had the opportunity to do it yet. 
that's wow. on my list. Them and Megadeth. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. I want to take Kenneth, my oldest. He'd be more than happy to go. You're going to have to mortgage the house to get tickets now. <laughs> yeah, like 200 bucks a pop, right, for the nosebleeds. <laughs> but it, that's definitely on our list for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you mentioned Injustice for All. So here's the first single, Harvester of Sorrow.
okay, Seether. Have you seen them live? How'd you get into this band? I didn't even know they were South African, to be honest. I don't know anything about these dudes. So it's funny how I got into it. So you mentioned uh, I like video games. There's really only one video game I play regularly, Madden. And love so, Madden. Love I don't Madden. think you've ever beat me, but that's okay. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> um, so Seether was on the soundtrack for Madden. I can't remember what year. I'm going to say it was probably 02 or 03, maybe 04. And I was like, oh, that song is so catchy. And I was playing Madden too much, right, anyway. So I would just keep hearing the song over and over again. And I really got into it. So then I went into iTunes and just got all their stuff. I like the attitude behind their music. They're probably the newest band I listen to, and they've been around for 20 years, right? So, But like their songs, like the vocals, uh, love the songwriting. Did see them, and you're going to laugh. They were opening for Nickelback. Oh <laughs> Saw them in, I think that was 2012, is what they were touring together. And uh, Bush was opening for Seether. So it was Bush, Seether, and then Nickelback. And it was an awesome concert. I had an amazing time that night. It was great. They did a great job live, too. Good energy. Wow. Okay. So I didn't know anything about these guys. So I asked you to give me five songs to check out. There's another band that I also asked for five songs, and Danny gave me 10 songs to listen to, and it was a whopping 38 minutes. And I gave him 10 songs to listen to that was 40 minutes. So this message is specifically for BC and Steve Wright. When you give somebody 10 songs, it can't be three hours, right? Nobody wants to listen to 15-minute new songs. Get it right. Danny did it right. Anyway, so he gives me five songs. Here's how I ranked them. Number five for me was Country Song. It's all over the place for me. I'm telling you, rinse, repeat, recognizable. That's the way to go. You got to keep it simple, stupid, and this song was just stupid. Then number four was Remedy. I was hoping it was a Black Crows cover. It was not. It had a Nirvana feel. Oh, good Lord. It had a Nirvana feel instead, so that was a hard pass. I ranked Fine Again three. It was okay, but it was a little boring. Number two for me was Words as Weapons. Again, it was a little boring, but at least it was melodic. And then at number one, and it's very Theory of a Dead Man, but at least the chorus is catchy, here's a song from 2007's Finding Beauty in Negative Spaces. Here is Seether with Fake It. Who's to know if your soul will fade at all? The one you sold to fool the world. You lost your self-esteem along the way.
lost your self-esteem along the way. Your thought on strippers. Oh. That's a dangerous question. <laughs> um, That's what I'm I, getting I, back at you for making me listen to Seether. That's why. <laughs> I'm all for people getting gainful employment um, with their talents. <laughs> I ain't editing that either. Now, I got nothing against strippers. I got nothing against strippers. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to take on the monumental responsibility that the strippers do. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to entertain the married men of America. Somebody has to do it. Okay? Your wife, you know, your wife will take care of you, but she ain't going to entertain you. (laughs) You listed Motley Crue as one of your favorite bands. I like Crue, but Vince... Can just be brutal. Like, I'm not sure if he was ever good. I tolerated it for a while. I can't tolerate it anymore. Definitely no new crew with Vince. Like, I can't listen to it. You like Vince? I like studio Vince. <laughs> good. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Live Vince, probably not so much. And you've seen him live, of course, because yeah. they opened for Kiss. I didn't see him on that tour. I think I was in Calgary at that time. Okay. So they didn't come to, to Canada, at least at that moment. We saw him here at the residency. Oh, right. We were together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the the balloon went with the camera and people were taking their tops off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Nicole was covering her eyes. <laughs> and I remember like a memorable moment from there is when they do uh, Home Sweet Home and yeah. they light the piano on fire. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Vince lately? He's looking a little rough. Uh, the most recent picture I've probably seen five years ago. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't awesome. <laughs> Do you like the 94 record? Did you like John Karabi doing Vince Neil? Have you heard it? I listened to uh, Generation Swine. Was that? That's after. Okay. That's the last new stuff I listened to from them. Yeah. Except for that song, Saints of Los Angeles. I thought that was a good song. Yeah. But you haven't heard Hammered or any of Uncle Jack or Power to the Music or none of that. Wow. You got to listen to the 94 record. Okay, what is that the name of the record is 94? It's, it's called Motley Crue 94. Okay, I think I remember the cover now. Yeah. It was the only record that Vince is not singing. For anybody who likes Crue and likes rock, it's a little more rocking Crue, and Karabi just kills the vocals. You definitely got to check that out. Yeah, I know you've always been a fan of Karabi's. Oh, yeah, definitely. You listed Theater of Pain as one of your favorite. Is that just Home Sweet Home and Smoke in the Boys Room? Because there's some crap on that album. There was three or four songs I liked on there. I can't remember off the top of my head what they were. I'd have to look at the track listing. And you pretty much end to feel good for them. Oh, yeah, totally. Again, just like the Black Album, Feel Good comes out. You're just entering your freshman year. 
you've entered your freshman year, but they're on their like second or third single. And that album lasted forever, just like the Black Album lasted forever. The album for them that I remember the most through high school was Decade of Decadence. Yeah, yeah, because that because came out during your high school years. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah, one yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. deep on. Oh, yeah, so that goes backwards. And so then that kind of gets you into crew. And it had some new songs on it too. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not a huge fan of Theater of Pain, but we'll go with a tolerable one, I guess. Here's Louder Than Hell. got a rock and roll story to tell and we want to hear yours so go to our website at growinguprock.com that's one word g-r-o-w-i-n-u-p-r-o-c-k.com or visit us on our facebook page at growing up rock and tell us all about it so you tried guitar yeah that was (laughs) short-lived How long did that last? You had that purple washburn right you gave it to me and i think i ended up giving it back to you yeah it's um I probably took four or five lessons. The guy teaching me was great. I just didn't have the time to practice. And it became obvious to me, if I don't practice, there's no way I'm going to get good at this. It's hard learning an instrument later on in life. I was trying to get Anthony into it early, and getting him into it early definitely worked because he picked it up very, very quickly. Gianna, the same thing. I tried learning. I bought the video game where it teaches you how to play and tune the guitar and blah, blah, blah. I just could not. I couldn't do it. 
just too old. And I think what happens is once you get older, you want to be as good as possible immediately. Like you have to see something. Totally. Right? This is why people love golf. That's why I love golf. Like every once in a while you hit that great shot. It's like, oh, I can do it sometimes. So then you wait for the next time that you can do it. Guitar doesn't work that way. You can't just pick up, not know how to play, but be able to play one song and not others, right? So, yeah, it just makes it really And that's the part I found frustrating when I wanted to learn how to play it. They're teaching you chords and the history of guitar. And I was like, I don't want that. I want to know how to play Detroit Rock City right now. I'm leaving here today learning this song. And and I I learned it doesn't work like that. (laughs) The kids are musical, though. You push them into it? Two of them are really musical. Kenneth and Lauren, for sure. Didn't have to push them. That was something they naturally gravitated towards. We exposed everyone to it and see if they wanted to pick up on it. Kenneth is great on the guitar. He knows uh, some piano as well. And Lauren's really been doing a lot of piano. Most of it for these kids nowadays, it's all self-taught. Watching YouTube videos. There are some instructional videos out there that are fantastic that take the time and the patience to teach them through it. So yeah, uh, for the most part, self-taught and they enjoy it. I went the brainwashing route. I did serious. Forced it down their throat. Oh, yeah. It was serious brainwashing. My thought process on it was when they're 30 years old, they're at a party and there happens to be acoustic guitar laying around. Mm -hmm. We go to a party right now. There's like two guys that can play it maybe, right? That they can pick it up and start playing it. And all of a sudden they can do something that really nobody else can do, right? So it's so weird that in high school and in school, you're trying to be like everybody else. But when you get older, you're actually trying to be a little bit different and be good at something that maybe somebody else isn't good at. And that's how I saw it. I don't know if they need to get into a music career. Do you think you can even get into a music career right now? Like, can Lauren go do music? It's all like YouTube influencers and Instagram and definitely not the traditional way, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be selling records. You've thought about it, I'm sure. Like, what would bring rock back in the mainstream? Like, it just doesn't seem like it's very mainstream right now. For me, it would be just be easily accessible. So have a great rock station that plays a mix of old stuff and new stuff where you're at. Give me a channel where I can just watch some rock videos, new stuff and old stuff, mix it in there. I know I could find all this stuff on YouTube, but I just don't have the patience to do that, right? And I know there's SiriusXM and things like that, but they're hit and miss and they repeat every 12th song, it seems like to me. I gave it up. I don't even listen to XM anymore. Yeah. So it's just not easy to get to. That for me is what would change it. Yeah. Although rock is kind of dying, Def Leppard survived it all, one of your favorite bands. Uh, When was the first time you saw him live and when was the last time you saw him live? I've only seen him live once. Good Lord, really? Yep. That was... uh, Opening for Kiss, probably. Nope, because I didn't see that tour. That was at uh, their residency at Planet Hollywood last September. So Anthony and I went to go see him open for Kiss. They were tough that day. They didn't sound great. I think they just had an off day because everybody tells me they're still great. I've seen some videos. Videos don't do anything justice. Joe has lost a step. You know, you can pipe in the vocals, do whatever you want there, but uh, you know, maybe I'll give him another chance. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd say with the residency, um, because it's a smaller venue, right? It's a little bit more intimate. So he didn't have to scream from the rooftops. He lost a step, right? Natural. He's, yeah, he's, he's who knows how old now, right? 55, 60 years old, probably. Yeah, I'd say at least, if yeah, not older. Yeah. 
he didn't even attempt some of those high notes. It looked like he knew his limitations. Yeah. Um, but they sounded awesome. And their set list was amazing. It was literally every song I wanted to hear. Well, yeah, because all they do is the hits. Well, your favorite albums are Pyromania and Hysteria, yeah. along with the rest of the world, basically. <laughs> yeah. Right? So and That's what they played. That's what they played. <laughs> and I think I like that they're pretty much the same five guys, right? Like, Steve Clark doesn't die, but... In great shape. Yeah. Like, they, they look looked good. fantastic. Well, there's an album out there called Leppermania, a tribute to Def Leppard. It was released on Deadline Music in 2000. This cover we're going to play is Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys on vocals, Eric Turner and Jerry Dixon on rhythm guitar and bass guitar from Warrant, Tracy Guns is doing the lead guitar, obviously of L.A. Guns, and Randy Castillo, rest in peace, on drums, who had played for Ozzy, Lita, and he had done one Motley album. So here is a version of the Def Leppard classic, Let It Go.
you're not listening to any new music at all. Sounds like the newest band that you've listened to is Seether, which is a little crazy. So I gave you a playlist of 10 songs, and you liked five of them. So I want to give you an idea. The song by Amaranth, which is a Swedish band, you liked was Viral. That just got released. One of the songs you liked was by a British band called FM, Synchronized. That came out in 2019. You liked Heaven Must Have Won an Angel by Heat, which is a Swedish band. That came out in 2020. No More Hell to Pay by Striper, which came out, God, I think 2015, possibly 2017. Everything was going so well. And then, of all things, you forgot what year No More Hell to Pay was released? It was 2013, you stupid. I thought you were a Uber fan. Whatever. Back to our show. And we'll talk about this last one here in a minute. So you like some of the stuff. Were you surprised that you're like, wow, new music? I haven't heard this stuff. I was surprised. I was surprised I liked the songs as much as I did, and I liked the sound. That's why I was a little, is this 80s stuff I never heard before? Is this 90s stuff I haven't heard before? It's awesome to hear that kind of music is being created now. Again, it's just, how do you find it? That's the thing. Like, I can only imagine the number of songs you went through to find that stuff over years. Yeah, I would say uh, some of that's true. I listen to anything new that comes out right now, and I would say I like one out of every three or four things I listen to. Sometimes I'll listen to it fast. Like the first pass, what I do is, all right, there's a new uh, Michael Grant and the Assassins album coming out. Michael Grant and the Assassins, nobody knows who they are. I don't really know who they are, right? So I'll uh, go to Spotify, pull up the new album, and go through the first song, and I'll fast forward to the chorus and just see, do I like the vocal? Do I like the chorus melody? If that, at least I like, then the second song, I'll do a similar thing. Third song, I'll listen to a little bit farther. Fourth song, I'll listen to the whole way. And then it kind of catches me on the way down. Mm. The vocal is the first thing to turn me off. If I don't like the vocalist, I'm done. I don't even go any farther than that. Second is the melodies. If two, three songs into their albums, if they can't figure out how to write a melody that's going to catch my ear, done. I, I don't give another shot. That album is dead to me immediately on the vine. That's how I get through a lot of the new stuff. Then every once in a while, I will run into a heat or an eclipse or an amaranth that it just literally feels like they can do no wrong. Anything they put out is like this big arena sounding great production. Everything's got a hooky melody. Everything sounds like Def Leppard, Bon Jovi of the old. Like it just, it's like, wow. And Amaranth obviously doesn't sound like that because it's symphonic metal, but they got like female vocal in there. They've got a male clean vocal in there. They got kind of cool short songs. So that viral thing, were you surprised? It was like Cookie Monster in there? That was the one part I didn't love about it was that demonic voice (laughs) part. (laughs) We didn't need that. (laughs) But it didn't make it different for you? It made it, I guess, a little bit heavier. Yeah, if they didn't have that, it would be very pop metal sounding. Yeah. But these are bands, are, they're not going to make it to the U.S. So with these bands, are they touring Europe? Like oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. They're, so people know who they are oh, in their yeah. homeland. And beyond. Okay. Like uh, they're getting into Europe. They're getting into Japan. They're getting into other parts of Asia. That part's no issue. It's just hard to break in the U.S. Why right? is that? Like, well, what well you first, you got to have work visas to come here. And a lot of the times, to get the work visa, you got to have gigs already lined up. What club is going to give a shot to a band they ain't ever heard of before, Mm -hmm. right? And if they can't sell tickets, 
Well, there's no record company that's going to say, look, we'll guarantee you'll make X amount of money. You just get them there. And you don't think bigger bands will have them as an opening act? Problem there is you got to pay for all the work visas, expensive to do it. And there's plenty of U.S. bands that you can do that with. So why the hell would you want to take the European bands? And you can get them when you get there. You yeah. get to Europe, you can just have them tangle along there. Yeah, they're so already you get big the best there. of both worlds. Yeah. yeah, they're already big. They're selling tickets for yeah. you when you go there. Yeah. So here, you can have the Dead Daisies, or you can have Michael Grant and the Assassins, or you can have one of those guys, right? Uh, you can have Striper, honestly. They don't even want to pay Striper. Shit, you could have Y&T open for you. You don't want Y&T, yeah. right? And then when you get to Europe, you can have any of these bands you want. And you get to Sweden, and you can do a double headline with some of these guys, yeah. right? So. Monsters of Rock has changed that a little bit because they're bringing some of the sweetest bands to the Monsters of Rock cruise, which is helping out. There has not been a day, not one day in the last year that I haven't listened to either Heat or Eclipse. Hmm. And 99% of the world does not know who they are. Yeah, It's amazing to me that they exist but can't get into the U.S. That's just, And then the U.S., just the bands aren't great. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it right now, right? People disagree because, you know, there's pockets of bands that you hear about, but you just don't listen to them enough. Like there's a band out there called Red Rain that is uh, pretty good. I've listened to some stuff. It's not really my bag, but I can understand why they're doing okay. Tuck Smith's doing pretty good, but, you know, I don't really know a lot of it and I don't listen to a lot of it. And they're trying to get away from the 80s flair where I kind of like the 80s flair, right? right? And Sweden's stuck in the middle of that, so... It's almost easier. One of the songs that you liked was a band called Chimera. And it's led by Dennis Ward, who's a bass player for a lot of bands, but mainly his band is this German band called Pink Cream 69. Yes, they're called Pink Cream 69. And he's a lead vocalist for Chimera. Kansas singer Steve Walsh actually started Chimera about 17 years ago, and it's kind of blossomed into what you're going to hear. The beginning of the song has kind of that top-down, convertible 80s feeling, blasting it through the speakers, very summer-sounding, danger, danger, warrant-type feel, great chorus. It's one of those choruses you'd be humming all day. So released on March 6, 2020 by Frontiers on an album called Master of Illusions, here is Chimera with Follow the Sun.
everything is kiss it if you stopped at 94 you don't own everything by anybody else probably <laughs> watch this gonna be like air supply <laughs> yeah i would say kiss is probably the only band i own everything of that's it yeah wow i'm probably close to ynt def leopard i'm also a big like greatest hits guy yeah, yeah. so like for Judas Priest, I like a lot of Judas Priest. I just have their greatest hits. Yeah. That yeah, like the box four hit. CD yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same thing with Iron Maiden. So if I have the greatest hits, I'm not going to buy an album that probably has a few fillers on it. I'm a completist. I'll buy crap to have everything, you know, Kiss, anything Jeff Scott Soto puts out there, anything Richie Cotson puts out there. If Y&T Maiden, Striper, Hailstorm put anything out there, Lizzie Hill could do a guest vocal on somebody's album shit i got the eric uh what's that dumbass's name that uh that uh, country guy what's that what's that country guy's name eric something they did a song together i can't remember that dude's name good god hollywood that so-called dumbass's name is eric church he is smarter than you has more money than you sings better than you and is better looking these statistics would prove you to be the dumbass i'm a fan of lizzie hill she sounds awesome oh yeah she's awesome right 
Well, although you may not know it, you probably don't, Wasp has 16 studio albums, three live albums, three compilations. But I don't think anybody ever in the history of music has listed Wasp as one of their favorite bands. So is that the rebel in you? Like, why? I love Blackie's voice. Really? Yeah, his voice is unique. And I love the dichotomy of some of their songs, right? There's Fuck Like a Beast or Animal, right? But then there's um, Forever Free. Yeah. Right? Like, those are two different worlds from the same band, from the same guy. I just appreciate his determination to get his music out there. There was an album, KFD, yeah. Kill, Fuck, Die, which was pretty intense. But I was like, dude, I appreciate you hanging your balls out there and going with something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm surprised because I think mom and dad saw you as the normal kid. So I figured you're listening to Wasp like right before you black out. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> not only then, maybe other they, times. They too. were a band that I probably didn't tell other people I was into. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, all right. So I like Blackie. I wouldn't say Wasp is one of my top 10 bands. There's no way. I don't know if they'd hit the top 25. They've got a lot of cool stuff. So here's from 2002's Dying for the World. At this point, the band's Blackie Lawless on guitar, vocals, and keyboards. Daryl Roberts on guitar. I have no idea who that guy is. Mike Duda on bass and vocals. He's been in a bunch of things. And then you got Frank Benali on drums, of course, of Quiet Riot. Here is a great song called Rubber Man. Yeah. 
I'll tell you about blacking out. It was, it was always weird when I would go out for the night with, like, some money and black out and wake up with no money. It was even weirder, though, when I would go out for the night with some money, black out, and wake up with more money. Because that means that I earned money. That means that I traded goods and or services. Okay, Nickelback gets a lot of crap. For me, I saw him live once. I think maybe 15 years ago, they were so boring, it was ridiculous. I don't think they moved from their spots, really. I don't remember them having a lot of stage presence. And I didn't know a lot of the music, which that probably hurt a little bit. So it made me try out a few of the songs about 10 years ago. They didn't hook me. So again, I don't know them that well. Is the Nickelback thing all because you were in Canada? No, it was before that. With Nickelback, it's they do get shit on a lot. Like, it's cool to hate Nickelback, right? It's, uh, it's appropriate. <laughs> for me, yeah, well, I don't know how many albums they sold, but I'm sure it's a shitload. Oh, yeah, oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, it's the songwriting. I just love the songwriting. I think it's clever as hell. A lot of the songs, when I hear them, and maybe because to some degree they're not that complex, I go, shit, I could have wrote that song. That would have been awesome. <laughs> you should feel that way about Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and th- that's why Kiss has so many fans, right? <laughs> to me, it's you don't have to think too hard. It's something you can put on and go, yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. I can sing along to that. I've heard you sing. I'm not sure anybody could sing along to it as bad as you can. That's why I do it privately in my car. I wish okay. I had clips of you singing. But cell phones were not available then. (laughs) So, we found a recording. It's not actually Danny singing, but it is eerily similar to what Hollywood heard back in the day. Just remember, Danny, we love you anyway. Feel the one. Feel the one. Making a better plan. Human race now people dying be caring enough for the living Let's get a better place for you and for me for you and for me It's unbelievable. You gave me five songs to listen to. So here was my ranking on those. Fifth was Fight for All the Wrong Reasons. Too many lyrics. And it completely made the vocal melody shit to me. The lyrics need a diet. Too many lyrics. I've never heard that critique before. So too many words? Yeah, just too many words. Okay. It's like he's almost rapping. Never Again was number four for me. I can sum it up in three letters. Meh. (laughs) Three was something in your mouth. At least the lyrics were cool. So got to meet the hottie with a million dollar body. They say it's over budget, but you'd pay her just to touch it. Come on. Need to hit the big screen and shoot a little love scene. If Hollywood had called her, she'd be gone before you holler. Come on. So at least it was interesting. There was some even more interesting lyrics later on. I could tolerate that. Number two for me was Edge of a Revolution. After listening to that Seether crap, the song was very welcomed. I did like the verses better than the chorus, though. And number one for me, karaoke staple in the clubs back in the 90s, early 2000s, I guess. 
first song I ever heard by him. It made me check out a bunch of other Nickelback for like two seconds. I didn't like anything else at that point. I've always liked this song, though. You've heard it before for sure. It's probably their biggest hit. Here is How You Remind Me. Never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. Tired of living like a blind man. I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling. And this is how you remind me. This is how you remind me of what I really am This is how you remind me of what I really am It's not like you to say sorry I was waiting on a different story This time I'm mistaken For letting you a heart was breaking And I've been wrong I've been down into the bottom of every bottle So you've been on a Monsters Cruise. We went together. Yep. Was that the only one? That's the only one. 2015. 
Do you remember some of the bands that you liked on the cruise? I remember the nostalgic bands, right? Yeah. So uh, Tom Kiefer was on there, YNT, Tesla, uh, Night Ranger, Striper. So yeah, I remember those guys for sure. Yeah. That was the first time I saw Richie Kotzen. Yeah. Right? And we were was in the it? casino and he was walking by. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, he, dressed like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely feeling good that night, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, but I heard him for the first time, and then after that, that made me check out a couple of things. Yeah, winery uh, dogs played. Yeah, they were winery good. dogs. Yep, and Taiketo. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, so I got a couple of things from them after we saw them play. So yeah, it was a good experience. I enjoyed it a lot. It was crazy to me that there's this cruise where people are playing shows at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Right. Th- to me, that was just a foreign idea. But it, it was really cool and awesome. And it's a cool crowd, right? It's fun to be with a lot of other folks that are into the same thing you're on. And I'm not sure we even went to the same shows. Like, we weren't at a lot of the shows There weren't too many. Europe was on there. Yeah. I saw Y&T at least two or three times. Yeah. Because I'd never seen them live before. Oh, that was the only time you've ever seen them live. Right. And I was blown away. Just, man, Akedi's amazing. How do He you... literally plays it just like the album every time. And you grew up in the Bay Area. How did you miss on Y&T? They play all the time. Yeah, but I was pretty young at that time. And... Oh, yeah. They had a break in the 90s. So your bang zone of your teens and early 20s, they weren't playing a lot of shows. Right. Oh. The, the one album I remember during that time period that came out was uh, Musically Incorrect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love that album only because that was new to me right. at that time. And I played it 100,000 times yeah. when most Y&T fans probably aren't too familiar with that album. Yeah. So see what I'm talking about, about the seven years of generations. I'm coming into Y&T in the mid 80s. I've seen them 50 times now Right. where you just fast forward seven years. Well, they broke up and started doing other things. Yeah. And people have died and stuff. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I didn't think about that. By the way, that Monsters of Rock cruise. So Europe, Night Ranger, Tesla, Tom Kiefer, Extreme Kicks, Queensryche, Crocus, Winery Dogs, Striper, Lita, Ford, Blackstar, Riders, Y&T, Zebra for some reason, Black and Blue, Faster Pussycat, oh boy, Honeymoon Sweet, they were awesome, Taiketo, Keel, John Karabi, Kip Winger, Michael Sweet, Richie Kotzen, Mike Tramp, Holkstra, Derek St. Holmes, Ron Keel, Leatherwolf, Babylon AD, uh, remember they played in that small little stage, uh, Bang Tango, Heaven's Edge, Frank Cannon Band, so it was, it was a bunch of great bands. Did you make it for the pre-parties or you got yeah, in afterwards? Yeah, because uh, we saw Striper and Poison. Taiketo. Right? And Taiketo. Oh, yeah, and the band that they couldn't call Poison yeah, right. because there was no Brett Michaels, but it had the other three guys. Right, right. I don't remember who was lead singing that day, but uh, yeah, that was interesting. So uh, for that cruise, you've been on a bunch of them. How'd that rank? Uh, the first cruise. Was that your first one? That was my first one. I've been to three now. I would say this last cruise was the best for me because it's just like anything else. The first time you go, you're just kind of like in this awe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I made the mistake of trying to go see everybody. That was a major mistake because things I saw just a few songs of and left. There were some bands I wanted to see the entire thing, but I only got to see them once because there was another competing band that was playing when they played the second time. I didn't take any breaks, which it was like music overload. So that didn't help. And then I didn't really spend any time like talking to anybody, mm-hmm. right? I didn't really meet, forget about meeting band members. I'm less concerned about that. I'm talking about friends that love music and making some new friends. Right. Where this last cruise in 2020, I made new friends. I uh, hung out with old friends. Like we hung out like as a pack together. Um, we may not have seen all the shows together, but we were hanging out in between which I will tell you that in between hanging out at Schooners was just as fun as seeing a great band and almost as fun as seeing a shitty band, to be honest. So <laughs> I would say this last one was the best. Why into your fan, though? Oh, yeah, big time. 
And uh, it's unfortunate that you didn't get to see him live a bunch of times. Yeah. But uh, they used to do that Halloween show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was before you were yeah. really going. They play here. They play at uh, Vamped every once in a while. Yeah. Have you seen any shows at Vamped at all? We were going to go, but I actually had to work out of the country oh, that okay. week. So yeah. yeah. And Vamped is all ages, right? I think. Uh, I believe so, for yeah, most yeah. of the shows. That's cool. Well, we wish, you know, Y&T would have been bigger, and uh, we all love Y&T on this podcast, so off of 2010's Face Melter, here is How Long.
It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So there's no doubt you're a huge Kiss fan. Your history with Kiss. When did you get into Kiss? You know, it goes back to when we were sharing a room together growing up. When I'm 10 years old and I wake up every morning and see Gene Simmons spitting blood on the wall, right? Or that uh, iconic 1976 poster of them, you get brainwashed. That's all that's going to happen, right? (laughs) So that was my exposure to them. I remember the first cassette I ever bought was uh, Crazy Nights. Oh, okay. But I had already heard it because I would listen to the CD version that you had all the time. The first new album I had ever heard from Kiss was Revenge. Yeah, yeah. Because that puts you at 15-ish. Yeah, that makes sense. First time you saw him live? Was a reunion tour, 96. Oh my God, us going down to LA. No, 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 that was 98. Cycle Circus. Yeah. That's Cycle Circus. So 96, we saw them at uh, Oakland. Oh, Oakland. Okay. And then the following night, we saw them in Sacramento. Oh, right. Okay, so we saw them back-to-back nights. Right. Are seats any good? Um, I think the Sacramento seats were better than the Oakland seats. Okay, yeah. okay. How many times have you seen them live? I'm going to say eight. Eight, okay. Kiss Cruise, huh? <laughs> yeah, that, uh, so signed up and ready to go Zeus. to Kiss Cruise with our good friend Zeus. Is, is Zeus going to make it through that? <laughs> Are you going to like shank him while he's sleeping? Or? <laughs> well, we got to see how loud he snores, right? Um, yeah, it, we were all set up to go this October, but of course I got pushed back to next year. Hopefully by then, uh, all the cruise lines are still in business and, yeah. and it's good to go. Yeah, that's nuts. What members have you met? I have met Paul, Gene. Ace, Eric Singer, Bruce Kulick, Tommy Thayer. That's it. So no Peter. No Peter. Never met Vinny. No. Nobody's met Mark and John. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Eric Carr have been too early for us. Anyway. Right, right. We went to the vault. We did. That right? was it's, awesome. That was awesome, yeah, right? Capitol Records. And guess what? It ended up probably being the best vault, too. Yeah. Because afterwards you oh, heard all far. these horror stories. Ace was there. Bruce was there. Eric was there. Yeah. It was fantastic. Food, open bar, the whole thing. Like, of course, they're going to go all out on the first one. Yeah. That was a fantastic experience. Yeah, Loved it. that was really fun. I'm glad we went to the first one, for sure. Did Ace smile? When you talk to him at all? Um, no, because it was after the show uh, that they did the meet so and greet. So he was coming down. And, you know, dude's a little bit older, right? Yeah. So, so we went and saw him, uh, me and my son, Kenneth, whose middle name is Ace. Like, that's legally his middle name. I'm not making that up. Um, <laughs> Poor and, kid. <laughs> and I'm very thankful for my wife, Maria, allowing that to happen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we each got a, a picture with him, and he signed some stuff for us. He personalized the stuff yeah, that he signed, yeah, which yeah, was really yeah. cool. So he was super nice. Took time. You don't spend a lot of time with him, right? Of course, yeah. it was in his uh, in his trailer after the show in uh, Seattle. It was great. He was nice, but it was quick. Yeah. You got Paul Stanley's shoes and the little, yeah. the, what do they call that little fanny pack? <laughs> and you got the hat. And so, are you uh, eating Brussels sprouts every day? Like, are you that <laughs> Paul Stanley guy? So when Paul came out with, his, uh, with the Puma, the line of shoes, uh, he was doing a meet and greet um, at the local Puma outlet that we had over here. So went and saw him, like stood in line. Super nice, super great. Signed the shoes. You have a pair of the shoes that he signed. Yeah, that would have fit me, you know, when I was 10 years old. But yeah, that's cool. I'm not going to wear them anyway. The availability of sizes were limited, (laughs) believe it or not. Sorry, they didn't didn't have Bigfoot sizes. (laughs) And uh, it it was a great experience. Again, I did it with uh, Kenneth. And uh, it was a lot of fun. That open bar and radio station was there. Very accommodating. It was cool. Your thoughts on Cheater Chris and Fake Ace? 
Does Tommy and Eric Singer got to have their own makeup? I have absolutely no problem with it. They've been in the band longer than any four have been, right? So they've definitely earned their place. And if it wasn't for them, Kiss wouldn't be around today. In my point of view, right? There's no way, love Peter, but there's no way he could have kept up. He was struggling on the farewell tour, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ace, love Ace, but they just wouldn't have the shows. And they're so tight right now. Oh, yeah. Like, they sound amazing. And they wouldn't be on America's Got Talent or all these other shows. They wouldn't have been able to keep up. Yeah. So Tommy and Eric definitely deserve to be there. So your favorite Kiss album, sounds like it depends on the day, but right now it's Lick It Up with Dynasty Asylum and Revenge right behind it. So you got kind of that 79 to 91 piece going. I'm not sure very many people say lick it up. So is it, you like Fast Kiss? You like 80s Kiss? Is it Vinny? What is it? I I like Fast Kiss for sure. Um, I don't know if it's so much Vinny. I think it's uh, more the sound of that era. And Eric Carr, you know, killing it on the drums. So when you think of lick it up, a million to one's my favorite song. Like the passion that Paul sings that with, the yeah. authenticity, it's just amazing. All Hell's Breaking Loose is really cool, right? Lick It Up itself, it's okay. Probably fatigued on that. It's a pretty basic yeah. song. <laughs> but I even like uh, On the Eighth Day and Exciter is amazing. It give me more, super fast, right? Yeah. So love that album. I'm a fan of the cover. I think the cover looks really cool. It's simple. They're wearing black. Vinny's got his little hint of purple. It's, it's one of the better picks of the band. Like, you know, they're not, yeah. they're not the most handsome folks in the world, right? But that album cover is one of the better picks of the band in total. <laughs> they're not what you would call handsome. And some men. <laughs> oh, God. Vinny's a little nuts. It seems like it. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen a book from this dude yet. He's a guy that super talented. At least he was at a point. I, I have no idea now. And uh, just doesn't play well with others. Yeah. Just that kind yeah. of guy. What book did you like better? You like Paul's book better? Or you like Gene's book better? Or do you like Ace or Peter's better? I liked uh, Paul's better. Just always been a big fan of The Star Child. And uh, just getting his insider perspective. Yeah. And I read it, but I also listened to the audio version where it's Which where he narrates it. Yeah. Definitely the way to go. I definitely yeah. recommend that. So Paul's your guy. Out of the four original aces, really, like I like Ace a lot, but. Yeah. He struggles, you know, with coherent sentences and things like that, which is fine. I love him for his guitar playing and his style and his charisma on stage. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but Paul, Gene, like, I'm I'm kind of a homer when it comes to him, right? Like, I'm a fan all the way around. <laughs> You're just a homer, period, yeah, but whatever. Um, all right. So your five fave Kiss songs, A Million to One, which you mentioned, Sure Knows Something, Black Diamond, Easy It Seems. And the one we're going to play for the historic moment. So in 2013, A World with Heroes, a Kiss tribute for cancer care was released. It was a project put together by Mitch LaFon. The album has some great songs, including a song by a Canadian retro prog band from Toronto called Druck Farben. So the lineup is Phil Naro on vocals, Ed Bernard on guitars, Will Hare on keyboards, Peter Murray on bass, and Troy Feenier on drums. So here is Druck Farben with a cover of the Kiss classic from Killers called Nowhere to Run.
So that's it. Another wild hair in the books. Danny, thanks for joining us. I'd have you plug something, but you know, you don't have anything. (laughs) And I like it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to all the loyal listeners for allowing us to be in your ears each week. As always, I want to give my partner of crime a big shout out, Stephen Michael. Even my kid brother has had the displeasure of meeting him. Woohoo! Hey, Stephen. (laughs) As per the grown up rock tradition, I'm going to shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.